Well, goodness me, here we are, here we are. Welcome, welcome one and all. Welcome cricket lovers, welcome cricket curious. This is a new podcast all about cricket and so much more. I'm Stephen Fry. And I'm Stuart Broad. He really is. In case you don't believe me, I'm looking and I can see him. It is Stuart Broad in the flesh, in a blue shirt, with blue eyes and nearly as tall as me, actually taller. We're calling, what are we calling this uh, podcast series, Stuart? The Corridor of Uncertainty. The Corridor of Uncertainty. A phrase made famous by Sir Geoffrey of Boycott, of course, but I don't think he invented it, did he? I think it's been it's called that the the line outside the off stump. Sort of I think the, it's just the area you want to bowl as a bowler, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. And Jeffrey Boycott probably edge balls from there. <laughs> yeah, he would. God, he'd hate me for saying that. He wouldn't would. He? he would. Um, and and listen, if 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 you're if you're tuning in just literally out of curiosity and, and cricket isn't absolutely your your life, uh, if if there's a a word that Stuart uses or even that I use, and I suddenly realise might seem a bit uh, jargony, I'll try and explain it, and uh, Stuart will p- put me right. Uh, but we're not just exploring. Cricket. Uh, cricket is more than a game. It is a, it is a, a cultural entity like no other. At least those of us who love it and celebrate it believe that to be true. It, around the world, it expresses itself in different ways, almost in the way that food expresses itself in different ways. So we're going down all kinds of the byways and highways of this beautiful game. That's not to say we're not interested in the norm. Yeah, yeah, we are. The norm. The norm is very much interesting too. The actual guts of cricket because we're talking now of course uh, in a summer which is one of the biggest in English cricket history in my lifetime certainly we've got a World Cup coming and we've got an Ashes coming whoa does it get bigger than that it's the biggest in my lifetime. It's wonderful, yeah, isn't it? It is. It's sensational. Um, so there's lots to talk about. And we're also, of course, depending on you for help. You, the dear listener. Um, and you can help us by sending uh, sending questions. Uh, it doesn't matter what they are. Uh, the easiest way, of course, is social media. In fact, it's the only way because I'm not giving out my phone number. Uh, a, use the hashtag broad and fry and we'll attempt to answer your questions in the next podcast by the time they've come through but we've got some already to work on later on we have and we've also got our own agenda to discuss you know the occasional interview with people we come across in the game yeah so let's get started talking of the game and uh, uh, its expressions around the world as i was uh, you in the winter where were you lucky dog the most recent was the West Indies tour. So it was a great place to start, the West Indies, yeah. isn't it? A wonderful tour, my favourite tour. Um, so a lot to discuss from there, really. Yeah, and the West Indies, we have to remember, because this is one of the strange things about cricket. It is a, it is a, a footprint of colonialism. We can't get away from it. And obviously the British had certain possessions in the Caribbean. And those that are the British West Indies, that's British Guiana on the north coast of South America, yes? That's yep. one of the West Indies that can... And the other is Jamaica, famously, Antigua. What are they? What are the nations, the islands that... Well, we played in St. Lucia to finish. St. Lucia, yeah. Uh, Antigua and Barbados on this trip. Um, yeah. We have played in Jamaica, Trinidad. Uh, you know, it's just, it's just a wonderful tour. And yeah. the, the passion for cricket there is something that you know, sets it aside. The, the real love of the intricacies of the game, I think, and um, yeah. the support you get. Um, obviously from the English for the travelling English it's a wonderful place to go and visit the notorious Barmy Army goes the Barmy Army love it there but uh, but also the the locals and and how much history they've seen over there you know world records with Lara etc it's it's awesome and can I say and this is awful coming from an obviously an England fan I was kind of pleased when they won the test you know to everyone's surprise they won the test because you're a great side and the reason I was pleased was it frightens me that there are young West Indians growing up who are seduced by basketball and baseball and who are not turning to cricket. And the great tradition of West Indian 
cricket is a, is a cultural jewel in their crown. And and um, uh, and I thought this performance, which surprised everybody, will inspire new generations. And you probably, as a as one who only wants to win, don't like hearing that. Yeah, I, that wasn't the way I was thinking about it when we uh, when we went two 0 down. That is for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it was a bit of a disappointing series for us as a team. Yeah. You're going there with a lot of hope and expectation, and you know, carrying momentum that we got in Sri Lanka, winning in yeah. Sri Lanka three 0 for the first time in the history. Yes. Um, so a lot of hope going there, um, but we didn't get it right. And, you know, as a as a team at international sport, if you're slightly off your game. Yeah. You, you you get hurt, and especially against the the quality of player that the West Indies have got, which they do still have. They yeah. do, yeah. There's some wonderful skill in in their team, and, and a great captain, um, great captain in Jason Holder, yeah. and and a lot of passion of playing for the West Indies. I know that gets questioned a little bit um, by the media sometimes, yeah. but when you're 22 yards away from these players, you can see how much it means to to them representing their country and. The the biggest thing we can take out of that as a team is we won the last game. And I know that sounds a little bit sort of a bit nonsensey, really. But actually, momentum is quite a big thing yeah. in sport. And we put some brilliant individual performances in that last test match yeah. to win. And actually, that's, you know, that was our last attempt of having a good finish to the yeah. winter before the Ashes. And it's the knowledge that you can correct something, that if, if you're not set up right, it isn't fatal that within, within two matches you can turn it round. You've got to believe, haven't you? Very much so, yeah. I mean, it, that, I always, I'm a big believer. You can make mistakes in games. You can always make mistakes once, but you've got to try and put them right as quickly as possible. And yeah. that's what makes top-class sports people the best because they can get rid of their mistakes the quickest. Without it, 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 that ma- their mind being completely screwed by the the horror of of a failure or a loss or the. No, we still get that. Mm-hmm. We still get that. Yeah, um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story that goes back a long, long way. When I was a teenager, a friend of my parents, who who was really into cricket and and knew some of the Australians, and when the Australians came over, they would uh, two of them would stay at their house when when they were playing in London because he lived in Buckinghamshire, and one was the, the two of them were were um, Ross Edwards and and uh, Ashley. Mallet, if you remember them, and Ashley Mallet was a spin bowler, and they were having a conversation. I was about sixteen, and I was kind of big-eyed and amazed to meet these Test players from Australia. And the conversation went around to winning, and uh, Ross Edwards said, oh, "Winning's the greatest bloody feeling in the world, mate. It is, it is everything. It is everything." And Ashley Mallet said, "Yeah, but it's not as strong a feeling as the feeling you get when you lose." And, and Ross said, "I don't see that at all." No, I mean, I hate to lose, but, but winning is just everything. He said, no, nah, no. Nah. And he said, I, I'm going to give this game up because I can't take losing. I can't take it. And and I thought that was an interesting, maybe it's a divide between people, that, that the horror and the shame, the, the emptiness that you get after a, a bad loss, especially perhaps a personally bad loss, a bad performance or what you feel is one, is a, 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 in an order of magnitude, if you say that's a, that's a 10, but when you when you win, is that a nine or is that a twelve? What what's your feeling? It's a twelve. Yeah, oh, that's good. It's to hear. a twelve. I'm, I'm uh, glad to hear that. I mean, losing's a, a one for me. It's it's just such uh, a painful experience to go through, and yeah. especially you're right. If you feel like you've let the team down, yeah. if you've got no runs, no wickets, um, you feel like you could have contributed a lot more to the team. Yeah. That that hurts. Um, but I think 
you have uh, like the hope of your teammates with you. You're losing together, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I mm. always feel for individual sports people who lose and it's all down to them and they've, they're the only person who can drag themselves out so of that trouble. Golf, tennis and snooker. And, Whereas yeah. cricket, you know, we, could, we could lose one game and it, I could still be relatively poor in the next day but yeah. Joe Root might go and score 100 and it makes the team look really good. So you, you're so, you can lean on your teammates to drag you out of yeah. bad positions in, in team sports. And um, I think that's why I, I've always loved playing team sports. I've never played a huge amount of individual nice. sports to a, a decent level. Yeah. Um, maybe because I'm rubbish and I need to rely on my teammates. <laughs> but it's the interdependence, the, the, the reliance on others. and the, the, Yeah, I can imagine that. But back to West Indies, because I'm sorry about that diversion. Here's a question for you. Um, I can remember paparazzi shots of Ian Botham. I, I, I picture it, and, and, and please don't sue me, Ian, if you're listening, uh, of him lying on his back in a pool with a cigar in his mouth on, you know, in the late afternoon of day three of a test match or something, you know, after stumps, and uh, everyone thinking, well, this, uh, they seem to be enjoying themselves. It, has that gone out of cricket? When you're on a tour in a place like the West Indies, surely there must be pleasure. Even after you've lost two matches in a row, are you allowed to swim and have fun on the beach or...? Yeah, I mean, particularly the the West Indies. You've obviously you're there for for cricket, and it means everything to you, the results, and yeah. you put everything into it. But if you've got a, a day off or um, a bit of downtime, then you've got to enjoy the country you're visiting. I mean, as cricketers, we spend the majority of our time away from home. So yeah. if you just lock yourself in a hotel room, you you're not going to get the enjoyment out of your job as you should. Um, and actually, the West Indies is good because as a bowler, you can do a swim recovery in the pool and lie on the beach ah. and pretend it's a bit of work, can't you? But yeah, you can't have a Banks beer in your hand, but you can, um, right. you can, certainly, you can certainly relax. And I think, you know, it's very important to do that because yeah. we can be away 14, 15 weeks on a cricket tour with four or five test matches. And if you have no downtime in that, then it yeah. can all get a bit on top of you. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's the wonderful thing about touring with cricket you're actually touring with 15 16 players 10 12 management support staff so there's always people to go out for dinner with have a right. bit of fun with a game of golf with that you can relax you know you're traveling with a, a group of friends really um and that's what in my eyes makes cricket the the greatest sport you can play yeah oh, very good and how um how luxurious is it do you what, what class do you travel when you fly if you, don't, uh, we, if you don't want us to know, you can. You can no, just we are fortunate. We do get to fly business class around yeah. around the world. Um, any flight over three and a half hours. Oh, that's, that's the yeah, ruling. That's reasonable. Um, and and the hotels are good. You know, everyone still thinks we share rooms, which is. Uh, I wonder. That was my next question. Yeah, we, but we, we don't. We um, we do spend a lot of time in a team room that we'd have a table tennis table and a. Maybe I was going to ask if Jimmy Anderson snored. I don't. I can't ask that. We, no, we don't get that um, <laughs> that luxury of sharing rooms anymore. I mean, we're generally all on the same floor. So what yeah. we do, we we sort of keep our doors open, and everyone just floats around. Maybe a bit of Xbox or someone's you, watching a TV series. You just go and, and chill in each other's rooms. Yeah. Um, but gen- yeah, you get the odd player. I mean, Jimmy Anderson's bad at, in my room. He just seems to come in, nick the mini bar, you know, take the take the diet coke and the Pringles, and and. <laughs> And bugger off, and then I'm I'm left with a big bill at the end of it. <laughs> you have to pay your own minibar bills. Well, actually, they, they, oh. we, it's a bit sneaky at times. They sometimes clear the minibars to stop us 
having that sort of dairy milk in the afternoon. There is no worse feeling yeah. in the world than going into a hotel room and seeing an empty minibus. It's devastating, isn't it? <gasps> cannot be cannot be worsened as a feeling. Um, yeah, well, it was. And then in, in the in the ODIs, you did very well against the West Indies and the, and the T20 one as well, didn't you? Oh, well, you weren't playing in that, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, our, our ODI side, white ball team, for the last three, four years, it? has it's been the best England's ever produced. Um, I mean, I'm a bit of a believer that you can never really be classed as a... go down as an all-time great team until you win a, a big trophy. Mm. But, you know... Coming into this summer, what a brilliant opportunity with yeah. the 2019 World Cup in in our own country. But they bring a lot of enjoyment in watching white ball cricket. This team, the the, yeah. the top seven batsmen are the most flair, skilled, powerful top seven I've seen ever in my lifetime in an England shirt, and that's brilliant for the fans. Because yeah. um, end of the day, I'm just a, a supporter. I love seeing yeah. English cricket and Nottinghamshire cricket do do really well, and uh, and this England side are brilliant. Because about 10 years ago, I dare one say it, ODI was getting really stale, wasn't it? It was the same rhythm in every match. This, you know, the power play was over and you just got this tonking away backwards and forwards with no real life and vim from either the bowlers or the batsmen. But but since you know, Morgan and, and, that, and that side, it's been really thrilling because England could explode at any period of the of the of the of the overs can't they? The, yeah the I overs. think T20's got a bit of a part to play in that and the fact that players now sort of understand their boundaries a little bit they they know that they can hit the ball 20 yards over the boundaries boundary rope so they have a confidence in their ability you know um, yeah. there's players who they call it practice range hitting so they'll go into the middle of the day before a game with no one in the ground They'll just have throwdowns in the middle of the ground and see how far they can hit it out yeah. the ground. They really do practice. They sixes. do practice hitting it, it out the ground. It would have been considered so vulgar thirty years ago. I know, it? but it's, uh, it's yeah, great. It's, and we have you know a few management staff chasing balls in car parks and all that to, <laughs> to retrieve them. But it's it's made the game more interesting to watch, yeah. and you realise how skillful these these players are. You know, hitting the ball three hundred and sixty degrees on a cricket field is. Don't underestimate how incredible the talent is to be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. I've 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 always said that um, cricket in some ways reminds me of sheep. Uh, um, in in as much as when you look at sheep on a hillside in this, you know, it's uh, Yorkshire Moors or something, and it's, it's it's sunny and it's beautiful, or the, uh, the downs, and they, they look the most lyrical, woolly, soft, gorgeous animals. But you get close up to a sheep. And it's got a kind of prehistoric jaw and a matted arse and, and, and it's really kind of dull, slightly strange eyes. You know, they're sort of like uh, gooseberries with a film on them. and they, they don't look sort of as if they're really thinking of anything. And you think, ugh, you look so lovely from a distance. And cricket's the same. You, you, you look at it, you see the flannel, you know, the white and the lyrical motions of the bowler and the lovely movement of the bat. But you get close up and you hear the fizz of the ball. You see it grind into the bat handle and you, you hear the sound of it and, and you realise it's a very hard game so anybody listening who's new to cricket who thinks yeah it's not really like football or anything it's really hard isn't it I feel like you've uh, gained those thoughts from your experience of umpiring yeah it's true <laughs> yes you knew that I do I do like to umpire you can probably imagine if anyone's ever seen my body that it wasn't made for propelling a ball or for indeed hitting one um, And uh, but but uh, I am the kind of really tedious figure who, who likes to know the laws of a game and uh, I, I mean you know, I I'm sure I would fail on a test uh, uh, for international umpiring, but I do really enjoy 
that the umpire is a real part of cricket. I think much more than a referee in football, although you know, obviously a referee has a huge role to play. But but an umpire is it's quite hard to explain. Is as you know, once you're on the field, you can have a relationship with the players. You you, you talk to them, very you nod so, them. Yeah. It's very friendly, and you 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 protect the the young batsman who's being bullied a bit. You know, and you 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 really sort of get a feeling that. If you can't play, this is something you can do. It's really good. And anyone yeah. listening who, who has a village club and, and, and doesn't play for it and isn't good enough, just volunteer to be an umpire. They're, they're always in demand. Yeah, actually, you can get, get great relationships with, with umpires on the field. You know, Because as a bowler, it's someone that you're seeing yeah. every ball when, yeah. you're, when you're walking past to go back to your mark. And, you know, you can play, you can have interesting conversations about, oh, I'm just, I'm looking to do... Uh, Steve Smith LBW here, but I'm going to drag him wide for for three overs. Uh, stay with me, and then you know about three overs time, I'm going to try and fire one at the stumps. See what you think. And then if you actually hit them on the on the pads after three overers, there's a bit more pressure on the umpire, isn't there? Like, so that's, that's a plan. That's a plan out. I never guessed it. They went to that level. That's brilliant. Yeah, there's there's those sort of um, oh. yeah conversations. Like if so, if you were umpiring and I was bowling, yeah, and. I had an LBW appeal, and you were like, "Not out." I would, I'd say, "Come on, Stephen, what do you think that was missing? Was that going a bit high, or you know, missing off stump, and whatever?" You'd say, say "Oh, okay." So if I hit him, hit him a bit lower on the knee roll, you think that might be close. So I'm just working with you on a conversation, just to to try and um, get a dismissal. So sort of a bit of kidology. That's very, very good. You see, although there are stump cams, we we miss the, um, and stump mics. I mean, we we miss that, don't we? Why is that? I shall have to have a word with the people at Sky and elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, it's good. There should be mystery. I, do, I wouldn't well, want everything you said mystery, to be yeah, heard. But it's, um, yeah, I, th- I think the, the relationship between players and umpires is very good. You know, I think when you have a relationship with someone, it's, it's then harder to be angry with them or have a, yeah. a, a harsh word. I mean, don't get me wrong, I've been guilty of that on the odd occasion, but... I think, you know, <laughs> in you? football you can Not see Stuart quite a bit Broad. of aggression towards yeah. it, don't you? But yeah. if you know someone by name, if you're umping, yeah. I'm like, all right, Stephen, how you doing? A nice day. Yeah. It's harder for me to then get really angry at you with a bad decision, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And and also, of course, these days, uh, unlike again when I was first watching cricket, they they they're far they're far less like like sort of school teachers. That that they, they you know they are under pressure too. They, they get scored every match. Uh, they they you know they, there's huge scrutiny on 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 their results because the technology is so believed that you can say they were right there, right there, wrong there, wrong there. And if there are too many wrongs, it, it, it goes against them. And they have a ranking, don't they? I think. Oh yeah, they're under a lot of pressure. Yeah. The umpires, yeah. but it's I think that as a player, you've got to understand that as well. You know, I think sometimes in international sport you forget people are human. Yes. You, you sort of expect that every single, you know, every single penalty should be scored, every single decision should be perfect. But actually, what gives sport character is yeah. little mistakes here and there. It, it, it brings a story, it brings yeah. a conversation. Um, and I, I think, although you want the decisions to be right on a lot of occasions, mm. you still want that bit of mystery to sport, don't you? Oh, you do. Unquestionably, yeah, I would be very against uh, technology, and it's it's incredibly po- possible uh, uh, hearing every single word spoken on, on on the pitch. I think would be sad. I mean, as you know, in the county uh, one day matches, they often uh, give a mic to a particular fielder, often the captain, but not always, who who is then thrown to in the in the sort of uh, in the, the period between overs, who will comment. 
uh, on what on the action, which is a bit weird. Have you ever had to do that for knots for one of your? To be honest, I I uh, turned that down because you yeah. need a microphone pack on you. Oh, of course you can't bowl as a bowler. It's yeah. a bit tricky. You can as a spin bowler, but as a yeah. bowl, and also I don't want the embarrassment of going right. I'm going to bowl this now. Get it wrong and get hit for six. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm uh, I, I, I tactically avoid those. Yes. But I, as it, what do you think about like DRS and stuff as a you know traditional found? I could imagine you as an umpire. I, give, I maybe giving not out, and I go. Oh, we'll have a look at that one. We'll go to DRS, and you as an umpire go. No, you're not going up there. If, if I wouldn't naturally uh, umpire that class of cricket, of course. I mean, it really is village cricket in Norfolk that, that I've done. Um, but uh, I did have the experience at the Lords Academy. I, I do um, these voiceovers for these animated little films they do on the laws of cricket, which you can see on the Lords. Um, uh, YouTube, you know, uh, you can subscribe to it. And, you know, in case you wonder about the um, number of fielders you can have on the leg side and all that sort of question. Um, and uh, as a reward, they, they said I could uh, try some umpiring with, with Hawkeye. So the actual equipment was there down in the nets at the academy at Lords, And their bowling machine bowled to this uh, young MCC player who was r- really good and was able to make himself, you know, get his legs in the way as, and, and he knew what balls were coming. And I had six opportunities to to give a decision because each time the person operating the bowling machine would come around and scream in my face, how's that? And uh, incredibly, I got six out of six right. Correct, 100%. Yeah, two wickets and four not outs. I couldn't believe yeah, it. So that's why you've told um, that story. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay. It's the only achievement I can point to in cricket. <laughs> Nothing else I've ever done has ever been any use at all. But... Uh, I, in the same way that language is both talking and listening, the brain is processing language in both cases, cricket is both playing and watching. The, you know, those of us who love cricket are not, we're not cricketers, but we're as much part of cricket. It wouldn't work unless people wanted to watch it. Oh, absolutely. That's my, <laughs> that's my theory anyway. Um, no, let's look at another, another issue. That was supposedly about West Indies, but of course it grew and flowered. Um, there's a word here. I've got, I'm going to say the word, and you'll probably groan. Um, uh, it's the word mancad. Uh, which may puzzle some people listening. Mancad, is that, uh, is that a piece of intimate apparel for the gentleman? What is it? What can it be? Um, well, you know what it is. Have you ever been uh, the kind of bowler who might be tempted to at least warn a batsman? Because if you could first explain what mancad means. Well, the mancad is a dismissal where you feel the, the batsman's trying to gain an advantage of leaving their crease early the non-striking batsman. non-striking yeah. batsman leaving their crease early to get an advantage in the run so yeah. whether they can get back for two quicker He's backing get back up for too one. much right out of his ground and within the laws of the game you're it's in your right to take the bails off if the the batsman's out of the ground yeah. uh, and they can be dismissed doing that you, you see it very very rarely yeah. uh, we saw it with Joss Butler, didn't we, in the IPL? Yeah, that's um, the most recent one I can remember. Ravi Ashwin. It's, it's not something I've ever been tempted with. It's never something that has crossed my mind. But, I mean, as a scene bowler, I just think you run too far to waste that sort of energy and not <laughs> bowl the ball. But it, to me, it just... It, it's, it doesn't seem a real dismissal. I, no. I think you watch sport and you play sport for the excitement, the entertainment, the the viewing of great skill, a brilliant catch, yeah. a, a great ball that nips back... Um, you know, uh, a brilliant run out. To me, this part of cricket has no yeah. real talent or skill behind it. And 
I, I just don't it's really. More, it's more cad than man. Yeah, it just it's the it just act of a cad. It, it doesn't. It just doesn't ring that true to me, really. Actually, I played against Joe Root um, for Nottinghamshire against Yorkshire uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I was running into Bowl Bold, and he was at the non-strikers end, and yeah. we'd sort of just as we do on a cricket field, we had a couple of seconds to have a quick chat and. Uh, I said, do you see that Joss stuff the other day? Just silly, wasn't it? Just doesn't really have much part in our game. Yeah. And he just politely goes, if you ever did that when I'm on the field as England captain, you'd never play for England again. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, that's Rooty's view on uh, the man cut. Good um, for him, yeah. But I mean, Joss is someone who is a really calm... You know, you almost yes. feel like he's got ice in his brain. You know, he's that sort yeah. of for the sleepy calm, blue eyes, yeah. Um, but I've never seen him as emotional, as riled up as that. Really? And, uh, I mean, I I can't repeat on a podcast what uh, the text messages I got from him <laughs> that night. He wasn't overly impressed. But did, did Ashwin apologise? No, I, I don't think he did. No, actually, no. I think he felt that he, it was within the laws of the game, yeah. and and he thought it was a dismissal that he wanted to try. And he's actually tried it since in, yeah. in the IPL. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't got a, a man cad on my wicket-taking, um, what would you call it, glossary, I suppose. <laughs> yes. I've got a few court long ons and court third mans, but yeah. It's, uh, well, we, we'll talk card. on another occasion about um, other unsporting actions and techniques. The, the chapels famously did one, didn't they? And to, to see whether they should be outlawed. But I see that it's time to go to our messages now and have a little break. I'm off for a whittle. Oh, oh, no, not, nothing for me. Thank. Well, sandwiches, obviously. Uh, and just uh, one slice. Well, well, uh, three. Well, just past the cake. That's lovely. And a pot of tea. Ah, mm, the interval is over. The bales are back on. Mr. Broad awaits. He didn't need anything. Um, so let's try and answer some of the questions now, shall we? So we've, got, uh, we've got some people who very kindly, uh, through the medium of Twitter and other social media, um, have, uh, have sent us some questions. Have, are there any that catch your eye? Well, I like the googly question. Yes, of course, because one of the first things people who don't really follow cricket uh, know is that, that there is such a thing as a googly, and they don't know what it is and why it's called that. In fact, someone called Caro has asked us that. Being a novice cricket lover, why are there so many weird names for types of bowling, e.g. googly? What is it and where does it come from? Being a nerd, I do like to know origins. Can we explain? I'm slightly embarrassed. I've got no idea of you. Well, I do know the, the inventor of it because the Australians, I, I don't know if in your day they, you ever hear them, they usually call it a wrongen, but but they sometimes call it a bosey. Have you ever heard it called a bosey? No, no that used to be called a bosey. Probably bozy. got out to it, but... <laughs> <laughs> you might have got out to a bosey. Uh, and, and although he wasn't Australian, he was, uh, he was Bernard James Tyndall Bosenkett. When I was young, there was a newsreader who was actually related to him called Reginald Bosenkett. Uh, but anyway, that's irrelevant. And he, uh, he, he was a bowler. He was actually a fast bowler. Um, and, and the googly is bowled by, by a leg spin, slow-ish bowler usually. Um, and uh, uh, he, he experimented with, a, with a, a tabletop game, like a sort of table tennis type game that was called Twisty Twisty. Uh, and it involved um, propelling a ball over a net, but without what a What a wonderful name for Isn't a sport. That, Twisty yeah. Twisty. I know, it's perfect. And uh, he found that by, by spinning the ball in different ways, um, he could obviously make it 
when it hit the table, it would go one way or the other. But he, he found this way by using a sort of a flick um, of, his, um, of his wrist and fingers that it would look as if it was going one way, but actually went the other. And he decided to translate this into overarm bowling. And you can take over here by telling us the technique, what, what the usual leg spin technique is, the leg break, and, and what the googly is. Yeah, I mean, the leg spinner, not that I've ever bowled this to any sort of skill, um, but the the leg spinner is something that turns away from the right-handed batsman and the googly is a similar sort of wrist position um, and it just comes out slightly higher out of the hand, I think, and turns into the right-handed batsman. But I can't help but think, you know, in my era, Shane Warne would come over to an Ashes series and announce two months out, He's got a new delivery, the Zuta. Do you remember yes, the Zuta? I remember and the Zuta. I remember being involved in a an Ashes series in 2015 where Nathan Lyon came up, came over, announced the the press that he had a new delivery called Jeff. <laughs> so suddenly in our changing room, the you know the the sports scientists are going, he's got a new delivery. It's called Jeff, and I can't help but think it's just mind games. Yeah, you know. So I check. Nathan Lyon's a fantastic bowler, yes, he but he's an he's an off spinner with a with a one that will go straight and one that will turn. Yeah. But I think I think a lot of it is is mind games. Yes. Um yeah. and obviously the googly is a a, a well-known ball, but I I get quite fascinated by uh, particularly particularly Australians how they play the media and try and get one over on you almost when they're arriving in the country like get get the English panicking about a new delivery. Yeah. Um, well, we we can in 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 succeeding podcasts we can look at the mysteries of the what, what a deucer might be uh, uh, and a slider and all those sort of things. It's getting quite baseball in that regard, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I wonder if I could think of a new one for this year's Ashes. Just announce one a couple of weeks before. I've got a new delivery. The fry ball. The fry ball. The fry I like ball. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would scare it's, the Aussies, wouldn't it? It stops halfway down for a rest. <laughs> that's, that's the fry ball. Anyway, yeah, you can you can look up Bernard James Tyndall Bosenkett on on I'm sure on. The Wikipedia and other such things, but it's uh, yeah, it's 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 become in my lifetime much more common to to see the googly. I mean, when I was growing up, there weren't any leg spinners really. There were a very very small bunch, usually in Pakistan, uh, one or two, uh, but almost none. I mean, I remember when Mike Atherton became England captain, there was this rumor that he bowled leg spin, and and. Yeah, he does, but but not to the standard that we would expect today. I think I think someone like a Shane Warne's had a big influence on Huge, that because yeah. I mean, as a as a kid playing in the garden, I would try and replicate someone like Shane Warne or Glenn McGrath or Darren Goff, and you just try yeah. and copy what you see on on the TV. Um, mm. And when you've got someone as world class as him inspiring people, you're going to yeah. get people wanting to to be like him and. I think we've seen some brilliant leg spinners yeah. over the past few years. Rashid Khan's one who uh, is sort of um, tearing up world cricket at the moment. He's doing fantastically well. But we've got Adil Rashid. And he's very at, young. Yeah, we've got Adil Rashid at, uh, who's done yeah. brilliantly for England. And I mean, it's, a, it's one of the crickets about theatre a lot of the time, isn't it? There's a yeah. great theatre to cricket. And leg spin brings that theatre, I think, because you just don't know what's coming. You know, they can bowl bad balls, they can bowl full yeah. tosses, but then one pitches outside leg stump and hits the top of off. It's Yeah, it, the it, famous it, ball of the century. It feels really exciting yeah. to watch. Yeah, it does. It's, it's absolutely, it's, it's, it's doubled and redoubled, the fascination. When, when they come on, when, when Shane Warne used to come on, there was this audible kind of... <gasps> 
from the crowd. They always expected. And that was English batsman. <laughs> yeah, <I can> from <laughs> the changing room. <laughs> so let's um, look at other questions. Well, here's one. Now, this is a very silly one, but it's just interesting because it goes into the heart of the daily pursuit of being a, a cricketer. And that which cricket ground has the best lunch? Barney Buick wants to know. Lords. Yep, simple as that. Lords. Good answer. Uh, Lords. Do you know it's what you want be, every day it? as a bowler? Because obviously, on a on a bowling day, you have to be a little bit more careful with what you eat because you're yeah. eating nutritious stuff to get you through your 25 overs of bowling but a batting day you can eat what you want you know and i think all the bowlers get to lords and just want every day to be a batting day you know it's you get three courses you get gorgeous prawns to start that you're dipping in the sauce you get a choice of five main courses a cheesecake to finish you know is you've got the sports nutritionist going mad in the background like alarm bells going like Mama! but the players are are in there diving in it's it's um i mean gone are the days of a, a tetley bitter on the table i think that that was more my dad's era i think yeah. but um yeah it's uh it, it really is a, a lovely feast when you get to lords i mean there's so much cricket to be played in the in the year as, as everyone knows, some people say too much. And, um, does that mean you, you're always what, sort of obeying a particular diet in terms of uh, food groups that you're allowed to eat at any one time? Or do you get like a two-month period, I don't know, between Christmas and the winter tour or something? Or No, Christmas, of course. You're well, in no, Australia, Christmas, days, you? Christmas Day is a tough one because yes. obviously you're generally playing on Boxing Day. Yes, so, you know, you, you, you get teased with these wonderful oh. hotel buffets, but you, you have to be a little bit careful of what you do. I mean, actually, one of my most asked questions is what do you have at the tea break? You know, yeah, because... Yeah. Uh, it was one of the most exciting bits of playing cricket as a kid where you'd sort of come off at the tea break, right, what's for tea? And I used to play club cricket at Fredston Park in Melton Mowbray, which is where pork pies come course, from. And, and Stilton. Stilton. So we had wonderful teas. You know, you'd run in sprinting, who could get the, the last bit of Battenberg cake and all that. But now, unfortunately, it's... Uh, well, for, unfortunately, but actually we play a professional sport. It's... Yeah. Um, you know, you get a a protein shake and a, an energy bar, a hydration drink, and a and a gel to send you on your way. So it's um, yeah. I mean, it's cricket food is is wonderful, isn't it? But yeah. um, it's certainly got a lot more professional in the last ten years. <laughs> I think it still amuses Americans. I've I've taken tried to take Americans to matches at uh, at grounds in England and and explain the game to them. Uh, many of us have, or indeed explain it to people who are, who are British but don't know the game. And uh, and they're always tickled by the fact that tea is a kind of official word in cricket because I sort of said it once and they said, "Oh, do they actually have tea?" And I said, "No, they, they stop." for tea they stop for tea i said well, well, well yeah they will come in everyone has tea and we'll stop and there's you know 20 minutes and then they come back out again and, they, and it's called tea i said well yes yeah, it's, it's tea it's the meal tea seriously because <laughs> they have um, whatever it is a um, mid-inning break or something don't they in baseball where everybody gets and walks around and uh, so on and there's lots of ad- advertisements and trumpet calls but it's not tea definitely isn't tea in america so you know however much we may mock and uh, dislike the old-fashioned in in britain i i hope we don't lose that some of the silliness of, of cricket including tea absolutely yeah yeah good have you found another question what have you got uh, I quite like from Lexi Needham, weirdest play interruption you've ever heard of, oh, which God. sort of works because you being an umpire, you might have had a few weird interruptions. I've certainly seen a few in my my playing days. Um, probably the most embarrassing one uh, was 
at I was responsible for at Adelaide te- Ashes Test match. It was Mitchell Johnson was bowling the speed of light. Yeah. He just got three wickets in no time. And one of the worst things about TV, a TV in a change room is the the speed gun comes up at the bottom and it was like oh, yes. 93, 94 <laughs> mile an hour. So I'm sort of sat there waiting to bat in a go. And I had that, I, I got to the middle, sort of, right, I'll, I'll take middle, please, umpire. And I looked up and the sight screen, the sun was that bright. It was reflecting off a, a metal bolt off the top of the sight screen. And it was right in my eye. And I, I mean, look, I'm, I'm, Certainly not a, a very good batsman, but I, hey, I, I couldn't. You're on the honours board. You've I couldn't face a 93 mile an hour Mitchell Johnson with a, a shining bolt in my eye. So I, I made the awful um, decision to go right. I can't face with that light there. Uh, can we do something about it? Thinking that, come on, just a cloud come. But you're in Adelaide in 38 <laughs> degrees. You're not getting a cloud. So the groundsman got ladders up. They got. <laughs> different bits of material it ended up covering up i think with a bit of sheeting so it took 10 12 minutes was uh, was mitch johnson teapotting with hands well, on the hips exactly and actually the wicketkeeper brad Haddon sort of said to me that's a good decision because he's got the same view as me but no one else on the field has right. so you know i'm getting a bit Didn't of you invite stick. the umpire to come uh, and stand where you were to prove that you weren't making it well up? yeah he yeah he was he was understanding <laughs> of my problem um so i had this 12 minute delay to which i'm just thinking well Mitchell Johnson's bottom of the speed light. Every Australian's hating me here. The crowd are booing me. They're clapping, they're clapping. Uh, so when that got fi- fixed, in Mitchell Johnson came out first ball. Bold. <laughs> so I'd literally, oh, I'd, I'd wasted every, I'd wasted 68,000 people's time. And I remember looking up at the scoreboard and it had that, you know, the duck quacking me <laughs> yes, off and, oh, as yes, I walk off. Did. One ball. 12 minutes. <laughs> so anyone flicking on must have thought, what well, on earth has gone on there? It's fabulous. You could not have got a better answer to Lexi Needham's question. Well, we, I've got another one, actually. Oh, God, brilliant. So this is a little bit of a daft one. But you know, when you do a long time in the field, you sort of look for things to keep you entertained in the field yeah. a little bit. So at, at Leicestershire in my first year, um, when I was 18, 19... We had a physio who was the spitting image, looks-wise, of that character, Where's Wally? Do you remember? The, oh, yeah, of course, the, the, the red and white. The, those and the, books the that you'd try and spectacles. search for. Yeah. So we had a, a rule um, that if we ever fielded for over 80 overs in, in an innings, on the stroke of the hour, he would get a red and white striped jumper on yes. and a woolly hat. And go and stand somewhere in in the ground for us to look for, to give us a bit of entertainment. So the rule was, at the strike of the hour, he'd go and hide, and the eleven of you on the pitch would have to try and spot him. If you had spotted him in between balls, you'd put your hands behind your back. Oh! And the last person to to spot him um, had to buy a round for the team. Bear in mind, a round at that time was probably a week, a month salary for me. So I, I don't want to be last. So I'm bowling with Claude Henderson. So I don't have as much time as everyone else to search for Where's Wally. So um, it was left to Claude and I, who was, we're the last two in. We're the last two that haven't found him. And I've panicked that much. I, I've stopped the game, pretended that I had to tie my shoelace. All the time giving 360 degree... I promise you, I stopped the game for five minutes before and over, trying to just... I wasn't interested in my shoelace. I'm just looking for our physio in a red and white top, where, looking like, where's Wally? Joyous. 
And by, Northampton were beating us, actually. It was at the county ground in Northampton. They were, you know, I think Chris Rogers won 100 or something. So the crowd start booing, thinking I'm taking time out the game yes. as a tactical thing. But it worked, because I spotted our physio, Where's Wally, in the library at Northampton, stood in the window, just with a book, oh. open up. So I stood up, put my hands behind my back, and Claude Henderson hadn't seen him. He bought the drinks. But oh, I, is... it, I got a lot of crowd pressure from that, but it was worth it because I didn't have to buy 11 beers. The pleasure of knowing that there are games like that to be had. What? In, of course. I mean, you're human beings and you're, you're full of life and, and, and fun, so you would. It remind, The police have a game. This is not quite relevant, but it's a sport. Um, uh, traffic police, I, uh, a policeman told me this. <clears throat> they wouldn't want it known publicly, so don't tell anyone if you're listening. But um, it's based on snooker. It's car snooker. They 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 sit and they wait, and uh, the first red car that comes, they they chase and stop. If they can see anything wrong with it and can stop it and can get some infraction, that's one. They can then choose a colour next time round because they're on all day on them. So they just follow the laws of snooker. They do red, colour, red, colour, red, colour. As a black car, obviously, is worth more. It's worth seven points. It's exactly the same. And, you know, I mean, they can get through every 15 reds in a long day on the motorway. But, no, the, as an umpire, the only one I... as a Norfolk farm that had unusual... Well, not that unusual livestock. And we did have llama stop play at, uh, in Norfolk, which is quite good. Wow, that's good. Yeah, fun, just yeah. wandered onto the field. It was a good sight. Makes a good photograph. It was in <laughs> Norfolk, actually. Famously, there was a there was a fielder who who leapt to catch a flashing ball on the off the, off the edge and came up with a swallow. Because as you probably know, in, the, in in sort of English countryside, towards the end of the season, and the and the the shadows are getting long, you get a lot of dipping, swooping swallows. And he just caught a swallow, the corner of his eye, and just leapt. And and at the same time as the he, he leapt for the ball, but he saw the the swallow and <laughs> caught the swallow. He came up and the swallow flew away. Huge wow. round of applause. Yeah, um, good. That was a good one. So probably my turn to find one here. Um, looking through the pages here. Well, here's one that you could probably have a good answer for. Um, uh, it's from Mark Ridley. What law? Which law in cricket would you change, and why? Maybe mancad, which we've mentioned. Well, the mancad's got to go, hasn't it? Yeah, that's. I'm not a fan of that. Um, I, I mean, I always sort of take the mick in the changing room about the follow-on. Yeah. To, to explain that, it's uh, when... This only occurs in test matches. Yeah, when you bowl a, oh. a, a team out for... Uh, two innings matches, yeah. In two innings matches for 200 um, behind your original score. So, so you score 420 and you bowl them all out for 200. Yeah, you have the right to put them back into bat. Yeah, um, but as a bowler, you've done your job. <laughs> you've taken 10 wickets. You know, you've done your fielding. You've put in your... There's blood seeping into your boots. You know, yeah, you, all your toes are cut. <laughs> there's, there's 10 times your body weight going through uh, your legs every ball. You want the ice bath and the massage table, not And then the go captain goes, down. you've done your job brilliantly, but have another go straight away with no rest and no re- recuperation. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously there's certain times when it's the only way to to win the game yeah but any sort of rest just to be able to go and have a cup of tea and take your boots off and change your socks and uh it is a is a blessing so if i was in charge of cricket just for all bowlers well-being i'd get rid of the follow-on 
Interesting. And I wonder if the follow-on is like an ECB thing or, a, or an ICCB thing or whatever they call these days, the, uh, or whether it is actually a law of cricket in the same way, because is it just a... Because there are some things like, you know, obviously the, um, the, the inner ring and the power plays are not laws of cricket. They are laws of a particular tournament or a particular style of play. They're rules that, that do you see one of the difference I mean? That there's a rule of cricket is that if if uh, if if a, if a bowler makes a clean catch off a strike from a batsman, he's out. That's a law of cricket. But you, you say the following's more an option. Yeah, that's it? what I mean. It's, it's an option. Yeah. So it's uh, yeah. if I'm yeah. ever in your cricket team, it's an option that we're unlikely to take. Yes. <laughs> Me and Jimmy. Me and Jimmy and I just sort of look at each other. We're like, no, 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 no. Um, Please. But, uh, no, it's... Um, Are you really the, 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 um, uh, as, as, as good friends as you appear and as much a team? Because your, your careers have sort of matched each other so well and you've both come, come through to international standard of, of, of a kind that very few English bowlers ever achieve at the same time. And that's quite rare to get. You know, Fred, Fred Truman had uh, Statham, I suppose, or someone uh, Someone will correct me on the history there, but I guess he was his his major kind of partner. But but you two are real sort of twins, pace twins, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, the, the way I look at this, really, I mean, I, I just class myself as hugely lucky to have been able to play in an era with Jimmy Anderson yeah, because you think he's that special he's, he's I, I think he's that special yeah. I think I've learned a huge amount from him I think we um, complement each other our styling style of bowling complements yeah. each other I mean uh, a lot of the time we we are bowling for each other all the time you know it's it's sometimes the the tactical side of the game is Jimmy will be on a hot run uh, wicket streak and I'll just try and bowl dot balls and yeah. we'll be saying right which batsman do you want to bowl at um are you enjoying that end? Are you getting a lot of swing? We, we're talking all the time. Um, I've got no doubt I wouldn't have been fortunate enough to take over 400 test wickets without being in the side with Jimmy. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, you know, you, you look through partnerships, Walsh, Ambrose, yeah. you know, Pollock, Donald. Lillian yeah. Thompson. There's a pressure yeah. that's created in cricket that um, Jimmy and I have managed to to create and um there might have been a chance to create that with someone else in a different era potentially mm-hmm. but actually for us to have both been born in a similar time frame yeah. um you know, he's four or five years older than me i like to keep reminding <laughs> him of that but he doesn't look it but um yeah it, it i i i'm very fortunate to have, have played yeah. with him uh and become great friends because w- i think we've become closer almost in the last four or five years because we know what each other are going through the whole time. Yeah. We know uh, when someone's had a, one of us had a slightly off day or someone's had a great day, we know how to build each other up. We know how to yeah. rev each other up. Um, I I know I can tell him to buck his ideas up. He can tell me to buck my ideas <laughs> or up. Or to cheer up. You know, you, you, you have to have that honesty sometimes, <laughs> yeah. don't yeah. you? And, yeah, um, oh, I don't tell him to cheer up. No, he's <laughs> tell me to, uh, well, he's told me on many occasions to, where to go on that. But um, <laughs> we can, we both love the game, so we can yeah. both talk about the game in great detail. Yeah. And, you know, the great thing about cricket, when you do tour with teammates, you're almost spending more time with your teammates and your family. So you're out for yeah. dinner, you're, you, you go for coffee after training, you go for a swim. Mm-hmm. So you get to know each other really well. Um, and, I mean, he's become a, a, a friend for life, uh, which is great when you work with someone so often as well. Yeah. That's fantastic. What a great note to end on, because uh, without getting all sentimental and absurd, uh, England owes you two so much 
My goodness me. Uh, and let's hope that uh, by the end of the year, we'll be looking back on more extraordinary performances than the pair of you. But I see that the clock uh, has ticked and it's time for me to whip off the bells and mm, use very all good, kinds very of good. other cricketing metaphors and so on. And uh, to thank everyone for listening and uh, to allow you to bid your goodbye too, Stuart. Yes, goodbye. And we'll see you all next time on The Corridor of Uncertainty.